0: Hey guys, I'm sorry to um, have to spend much of our time like this, but I need to make four announcements. One has to do with the blue cards. As you know, we've got until, we've got 11 days. We've got until Halloween at five o'clock to nominate the men that you feel like qualify for the office of elder and um, it's time to get moving. Um, I've got some cards up here if you need them, but uh, you can accomplish that tonight if you like. You can hand them to me, you can put them in the repository right out there, but um, for those of you who are new to Grace the Van, there is no, there is no nominating committee here. This, you are the nominating committee. All the nominations come from you. There's not some back room back uh, uh, group, you know, that's huddled. In. You're it. If you don't nominate, we have no nominations. So that's, that's uh, 11 days more. <clears throat> um, secondly, I, I just want to underscore what Jimmy said about Sin Kwanan, uh Saturday night. Uh, you, you know, I walked in here the other night, and it was, it's a beautiful foyer out there, but what it needs is something on the walls. It needs some art out there. So um, uh, that'll be happening th- this coming weekend. So Saturday night, I hope you'll be, a- be with us. Um, also, you know, I-, I have my little sticker on here that I voted and it popped off. You know, it's early voting has started. And do you realize that there is a member of Gracie Van that is running for the office of mayor of Germantown? Does everybody understand that? He's a member here. He's been going to church here for five, six, seven years or so. George Brogdon is a member here and who is running for the office of mayor. Uh, it would uh, certainly be nice to, it's, it's fun to go into a voting booth and vote for a member of your church, you know? So, um, so go vote for a member of your church. Uh, also, um, I, you know, I can get in trouble for a lot of things, but this is not what I'm about to say is not one of them, I don't think, because I'm not telling you who to vote for, but I am telling you about an amendment, uh, which has to do with abortion, basically, ladies and gentlemen. So you don't need to ask any questions. Oh, I mean, you can ask questions if you like, not, not now, but of me later. But on Amendment 1, you vote yes. You don't need to, you know, just Amendment 1, yes. Now, there's three other amendments in there, um, and they're, they're a little bit less uh, significant, but this one is about abortion, and so just vote yes, um, and trust me, uh, you don't want to vote no, okay? Vote yes, Amendment 1, okay. And then uh, finally, um, there is a, a life rally that Grace Day, it's called a Grace Day for Life, uh, Friday, downtown, well, in front of the uh, Planned Parenthood building, where where we march in front of the uh, the building, uh, Friday will the the uh, Planned Parenthood will be open. Abortions will be taking place inside those four walls, and uh, you can go picket that if you like. The, the real thing is not picketing; it's praying. That is, you're you're walking up and down, and uh, people will they have a very expressive way of greeting you, um, uh, and there's all kinds of. Opportunities for them to greet you, and they will, um, and horns flashing—you know, all kinds of things. But um, uh, if you'd like to be a part of that, there's places here that you can sign up. It goes from 6 a.m. to 6 p.m., and one hour in that that day, you might want to be a part of that. That's this coming Friday. Now, those are those are the announcements. <clears throat> Go back with me, if you will, to um, Galatians chapter two, and I want to draw your attention tonight. Um, to verse 10, which is going to introduce to us to a, a subject which is going to... <clears throat> let's see. I hope it will create an, an awful lot of thought among us. Um, we, we are about to discuss a subject that I, I, I dare say that you have never heard discussed within this setting. Um, I, I, I could be wrong. I hope I am wrong. But I'm um, I, I just... Um, I want you to know that there's something here in verse 10 that needs to be said and needs to be considered and thought through very seriously by the people of God. Uh, let me read you the verse. It's verse 10, um, where they desired only that we should remember the poor, the very thing which I also was eager to do. I want to, sp- to spend our time together tonight discussing with you the subject of the poor. Um. Guys, um, it, we don't have enough time for me to do everything, or say that everything needs to be said. So I, I want to kind of hurry through this. But you're gonna. <clears throat> I hope you've got a Bible, and or maybe you can just write these things down. But let me let me let me start with uh, principle number one. It's uh, it's found in Matthew chapter 26 concerning this subject of the poor. Um, this is a subject that we East Memphis German Tonians don't. We don't think about a lot. <clears throat> but Jesus says in verse 11, Matthew 26, 11, he says, uh, For you have the poor with you always, but me, you do not have always. Uh, it has to do with something that was being done to Jesus and uh, an ointment was being poured on him and they complained about that's wasting the money. And he said, wait a minute, you're going to have the poor with you always. You're not going to have me with you always. But you're going to have the poor with you always. Why? Why? Why is it that we're going to have the poor with us always? Well, there's lots of reasons, ladies and gentlemen. I guess the most general one is the fact that you and I live in a fallen world. Um, but there are other reasons, I guess, specifically that you could mention. I thought of four. Four, four things that would make somebody poor health, bad health could make you poor, uh, war could make you poor, uh, oppression, that is, um, an oppressive tyrant. Could uh, could rob you and make you poor, or laziness could make you poor. Now let me make m- m- very clear that you understand uh, the Bible never sanctions laziness and always condemns it. In fact, Paul in uh, is it first or second Thessalonians three, second um, Thessalonians three says, uh, "If you want work, me to let him eat." He has no patience for the lazy. The Book of Proverbs is uh, is is equally condemnatory of the lazy. So when when I speak of the poor, I'm not speaking of that category. That that category of the poor is an illegitimate category and is always denounced by the scriptures. But there is a legitimate poor um, that have been rendered poor because they live in a broken, fallen world. Now also, in terms of this first principle that I want you to see in this Matthew 26, 11 passage, Jesus makes clear that the poor are important, but they're not more important than he is. You're going to have the poor with you always, but you're not going to have me with you always. It is, you know. hey, um, The poor are important, ladies and gentlemen. But they're never to be um, uh, prioritized above the gospel. And that's what the National Council of Churches has done. Uh, that's what liberation theology has done. Uh, that the gospel is equated with uh, liberation of the poor. That's not it, ladies and gentlemen. He says here. Uh, you'll have them with you always. You won't have me with you always. So there is a priority. And the priority is, of course, the gospel of Jesus Christ. It's just like, it's just like our parents, ladies and gentlemen. Our parents are important, but they're not more important than Jesus. And um, the poor are important, but they're not more important than Jesus. Now, that's, that's just principle number one. We're always going to have the poor among us. Now, um, concerning Galatians chapter two, as you know, there was a meeting that took place. Paul goes to Jerusalem and he meets with the with the bigwigs, and he leaves there. He they give him the right hand of Christian fellowship. And they shake hands, and and Paul leaves. He leaves Jerusalem without one change being made in the message that he's preaching. But he leaves with a reminder: remember the poor. His message is not tampered with. But the big wigs in Jerusalem remind him of something. Remember the poor. And he goes on to say, which is the very thing that I wanted to do. So he comes to this meeting. He leaves with an unchanged message, but with a reminder. A reminder that the poor are to be remembered. At this particular historical junction, ladies and gentlemen, there are, there's a lot of poor in Jerusalem. Why? Well, there is a famine that's mentioned in Acts chapter 11. That probably was a, a significant contributing factor. A famine. A, a, at least region-wide famine. But another part of the reason that the, there was so many poor in Jerusalem was because of persecution persecution at the hands of a man by the name of Saul. Remember, there's several places, and I can list them for you, Acts 8, 3, Acts 9, 1, and 2, where Saul is dragging people out of their homes and taking their mothers and fathers away, you know, et cetera, et cetera, and throwing them in prison. So when, when, when the bigwigs in Jerusalem say, now remember, Paul, I want you to remember the poor, and he says, you're darn right I will. I'll remember the poor. Because some of them are poor because of me. In fact, ladies and gentlemen, it is so interesting. Uh, if you if you know what Acts chapter twenty is, Acts chapter twenty, I mean, um, for preachers like me, uh, you could you could preach on Acts chapter twenty for for weeks because it is it is a sermon that Paul preaches to the elders of the church at Ephesus. He he um, <clears throat> he sends for them. He's on uh, he's on a boat trip and he, he docks at this harbor. And Ephesus is 20 miles away, and he says, well, he brings all the elders down uh, so that he can bid them a fond farewell. This is the last time he's going to see these elders uh, from Ephesus. And he he looks at him and he says, I've preached to you the whole counsel of God. What a wonderful thing. I hope when I quit, I can say that to you. I hope I can say, I preached to you everything that was good and profitable for you, even though it might have been hard. Paul says that, and and he could. I'm not sure I can, but he could. But at the end of that sermon to the Ephesian elders, which is his parting words to them, do you know what the subject is? In, and I think it's verse 35. It could be verse 37. The last, the statement is about the priority of the poor. He tells the elders there and it's, and it's, it's, it's keenly significant, I think, that the last thing that he says to them is, Now, listen, guys, don't neglect the poor. Um, Maybe because he's got such an aching conscience over what he's done. I don't know. But I know that in in the apostolic mindset, the New Testament mindset, the poor were never to be neglected. And consequently, you find Paul in the, in the course of his ministry being very diligent in this matter of getting donations and gifts to the poor. Um, he does it in Romans 15. He does it in Acts 11 and uh, Acts 24. Three different instances where you find Paul has taken up a, a, a contribution someplace and, and taken it to the poor. Now, so that's the setting. Let me tell you what the problem is. The problem that is when it comes to dealing with the poor. Here's the problem, ladies and gentlemen. It's a statement that is made by Jesus in Luke chapter 12. He says this, take heed. Beware of covetousness. For one's life does not consist in the abundance of the things that he possesses. And you don't believe that. That's the problem. People don't believe that, ladies and gentlemen. Jesus says, hey, listen up, listen up, take heed, beware, because a man's life does not consist in the things that he possesses. And we say, oh, yes, it does. And so we hoard. So we're not generous. And the poor, the legitimate poor, they suffer. Because we do not believe a fundamental principle uh, articulated by Jesus Christ that life does not consist in the abundance of your possessions. To watch us, that's all that life consists of, is get as much as you can and can what you get. Knowing that flaw in the human nature, God puts into place early on, Requirements, not invitations, not options, requirements as to what is to be done in terms of having the poor in mind. Guys, if you know anything about the Old Testament, you'll know some of these things. I mean, did you get my point? Because we love to gather stuff, God says, I am going to put in place stipulations that require of you that you do not neglect the poor. Here's one. Leviticus chapter 19, gleaning laws. Everybody know what gleaning laws are? Uh, Remember when when I preached through the book of Ruth and Ruth went out into the fields of Boaz and she gleaned? Well, that was a law, ladies and gentlemen. That was a law in Israel. That wasn't a, a, customal, a customary practice. It was a law. And what gleaning laws were was when you, when, when a landowner uh, harvested his field, he was not to harvest all of it. He was to leave the corners and the edges so that the poor could come in and, and be fed. But in addition to gleaning laws, you have the sabbatical year. Deuteronomy chapter 15, verses 1 through 11. The sabbatical year. That is, one year, the, the, every seventh year, all debts were to be canceled. Woo! What do you have to do to obey that? Well, you have to believe that life does not consist of all the abundance of our possessions. That's what you got to do. That's what you got to believe. And if you believe that, then you'll cancel debts every seven years. But in addition to that, in addition to gleaning laws, God has put in this place, this welfare system in Israel, gleaning laws, the sabbatical year, and you know what the third one is. The year of Jubilee. The 50th year. That's when all properties that had been um, made as collateral for a loan went back to the original tribe to which they belong. And all slaves were liberated were let go you remember if the slave didn't want to let go they took him to the doorpost and they hammered a, 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 a an awl in his earlobe remember that well um, but if the if the slave wanted to go he was to be he was to be let set free but not only that he was to be given some uh, money and material possessions so that he could get back on his feet. Ladies and gentlemen, God did all of those things and put them in place so that the poor would not be neglected. Because there is in us, ladies and gentlemen, down deep, the belief, That life consists in all of our possessions. All this, those three things, are legislated by God with the care of the poor in mind. Now, to support and encourage Israel to obey those laws, God makes the prosperity, this is important, ladies and gentlemen, God makes the prosperity of his people, listen, contingent upon their treatment of the poor. I'm going to say that again. So that he would encourage Israel to do those three things, gleaning laws, year, um, uh, Sabbath year, and the, the Jubilee year, to encourage them to do that, God ties the prosperity of Israel to people's obedience to those stipulations, to their treatment of the poor. Um, you want to see that? Let me just, because I mean, I, I've got all these texts in here we don't have time for, but these, these might be worth looking at. Go to Psalm 41. Psalm 41. I'm going to read you uh, uh, three verses. Psalm 41, beginning at verse 1. It opens this way. Blessed is he who considers the poor. Then he says, the Lord will deliver him in time of trouble. The Lord will preserve him and keep him alive. And he will be blessed on the earth. Who will be blessed on the earth? The man that considers the poor. Who, you, will, you will not deliver him to the will of his enemies. The Lord will strengthen him on his bed of illness. You will sustain him on his sickbed. Him who? Him who? the one who is considerate of the poor. He attaches his blessing to our treatment of the poor. Would you like some more? There's scads more. Um, Let me just give you one out of the book of Proverbs. Proverbs chapter 28. Um, If if you'd like some, after we're done, I've got more up here that you can copy down. But uh, Proverbs chapter 28, verse 27 says, He who gives the poor he who gives to the poor will not lack. But he who hides his eyes will have many curses. Hides his eyes from what? The needs of the poor. Um, God frequently invades at the mistreatment of the poor. Um, let me just read you a couple of them. Um, This is, um, I got three. Proverbs chapter 14, verse 31. He who oppresses the poor reproaches his maker. Proverbs chapter 17, verse five. He who mocks the poor reproaches his maker. He who is glad at calamity will not go unpunished. Proverbs chapter 19 Verse 17, he who has pity on the poor lends to the Lord. In Jeremiah chapter 22, verse 16, he equates our treatment of the poor to knowing him. We're going to see more of that in the New Testament. Guys, that Israel had turned away from God appeared in their in their mistreatment of the poor. Now, the deterioration of the, of the society of Israel, you, you can see it in a lot of ways. But uh, one of the ways that seems to be the most frequently pointed to by the prophets, both the major and the minor prophets, is Israel's mistreatment of the poor. Let me read you a couple. Uh, this is Ezekiel 22, verse 29. The people of the land have vexed the poor and the needy. This is out of, these next two are out of the book of Amos, chapter 5, verse 12. How manifold are your transgressions and how mighty are your sins, you that turn aside the needy. Then in chapter 8, thus has Jehovah of hosts spoken, saying, Oppress not the poor. You understand what I'm saying? Israel's spiritual decay showed up in a lot of ways. But one of the primary ways that it showed up was the mistreatment of the poor. And so the the major and minor prophets both rail against Israel because they have mistreated the poor. Guys, you come over into the New Testament and you find the same thing. Uh, the, The New Testament does nothing but confirm um, th- these, these issues that are raised in the old Testament, I, I want to show you one guys that absolutely should, should just melt our hearts. It's in, it's in Matthew chapter 11. You know, the story, um, John the Baptist is in, is in prison and, uh, Herod is, has put him in jail and he's going to end up with his head chopped off, but he is wondering if, if he's the Messiah, if Jesus is the Messiah, why am I here in jail? So he sends a couple of his disciples to Jesus and says, Are you the one? Are you the Messiah? Or should we look for someone else? You Remember that story? This is how Jesus responds. Jesus answered and said to them, Go and tell John the things which you hear and see. Listen to this, brother and sister. The blind see and the lame walk. The lepers are cleansed and the deaf hear. The dead are raised up and the poor have the gospel preached to them. Guys, Jesus proves to John the Baptist that he is the Christ by pointing to the fact that he heals bodies and that he preaches to the poor. Is that not remarkable? Of all the things that Jesus could have thought of to prove who he was, He says, go and tell John this. People's bodies are getting healed and, and the only other thing he mentions is that the poor are having the gospel preached to them. Um, You know, I, I have to point out that That little observation. That is exactly what the prophet said he would do. When the Messiah arrives. He'll declare the gospel to the poor. Jesus teaches that anyone. Who has truly been touched. By the grace of a merciful God. Will be vigorous. In their helping of the poor. Gang. Um. He points out that it was a laudable thing to sell one's possession and give them to the poor. He says that to the rich young ruler. The poor um, um, give Christians a perpetual opportunity to imitate Jesus Christ in ministering to them, says he. Um, in fact, do you remember um, in Matthew 25 when he separates the sheep from the goats? What does he use as the criterion to separate the sheep from the goats? Well, you gave some water to somebody that needed some. You, know, you gave some food, and, you, and then you went and visited some people in prison. Oh, you didn't do those things you did, did you? oh. That's just because you're a goat. You're not one of mine. Um, you remember, remember the lady with the two mites? He elevates her and says, she is, she is given more than everybody. He values the gifts of the poor, even though they be. Meager and wouldn't compare to what the rich give. Uh, <clears throat> you know, there's a, there's a statement in James chapter two where the church is told that don't you give the best seat to the nobility. You don't, you dare do that. Even though they're not bringing any gifts in, you put them up in front. Why? By the way, that book was written by James the same James that told Paul in Galatians chapter 2 to remember the poor. Um, Guys, this, this is rather stirring. God will measure whether or not we have the real thing, the real justifying faith. By looking at our service and ministry to the poor. Um, When Jesus showed up in, in flesh, he moved in with the poor, he identified with the weak, the disadvantaged. gang, um, what I'm suggesting is that what you're seeing in Galatians chapter 2 verse 10 is a reflection of the the, the leadership of the church, the new church, having learned the Old Testament, excuse me, having learned their lesson from Old Testament Israel. They saw how Israel failed. They saw what the prophets said. And so James, the head of the church, is, is very forthright when he says to Paul, your message is great, but don't forget the poor. Um, what, the, what the early church did through the leadership of James and Paul and others is that they revived this interest in the poor. And James and all of his buddies in Jerusalem, right there in Galatians chapter 2 verse 10, who have learned lessons from from what happened in Israel historically, um, in essence demonstrate that our attitude towards the gospel is bound up in our attitudes towards the poor. And when Paul extends his hands to shake hands with all the bigwigs and they say, you got a great message there, Paul. We're all for you. But don't forget the poor. And he says, the very thing that I wanted to do in the first place because Paul got it too. Ladies and gentlemen, I, I started off by saying this should give us a whole bunch to think about. I want you to know something. In a lot of ways, I am, I am so, oh, I hate to use the word, I'm so pleased. Do you know that your church last year gave away $890,000? Most of it designed to address the needs of the poor. But, guys, I prayed for a million. <laughs> and, you know, just because I prayed it doesn't mean that it's right and good and God spoke to me. I'm not saying any of that. I'm saying we can give away more. You know, guys, I can't speak for anybody else in the room. And I certainly can't speak for the elders. I'm not speaking for the elders. I'm speaking for me, just me. But I have been very intentional because I thought that one of the best ways that Gracie Van could be involved in ministry of the poor. You know, what gets me sometimes is that all of us out here who are the, the white Republican elite, we have damned and damned and damned Obamacare, And all that this president has done to us in terms of nationalizing of medicine. And I'm sure there are issues galore. And I'm sure the physicians who are a part of this church could could correct me. But I'm opposed to it too. I think it's awful. I think what Obamacare has done is awful. Okay, let's repeal it. I'm all for that repealing. But ladies and gentlemen, if you and I are going to politically line up with a group that wants to repeal the health care to the poor, then dead gummit we better do something else about it. We better make some kind of provision. And very frankly, ladies and gentlemen, I think the health care should come from us. And, and, I, and as I said, I'm not speaking to anybody but me. But one of my great concerns was is that we get money to provide health care for the poor. Did you go to the doctor this week? Did you have a nice appointment? Gave your prescription and went out and filled it? All your insurance kicked in and, and your take care card paid for your prescriptions. Did they? Where did the poor go? Insurance as you know, got ladies and gentlemen, is a rich rich blessing, is it not? But where do the poor go? Have we taken a deaf ear and a deaf eye to the needs, the health care needs of the poor? Have we? Have we really? Then we're as guilty as Israel. And I'm telling you, according to those texts that I read to you, God ties, he makes his blessing contingent upon the way we minister to the poor. You know, guys, it's difficult out here. Uh, You know, we don't have any homeless lying on our front steps. They do in New York City. We don't have them out here. So we have to make trips to go to minister elsewhere. But then, gummit. let's make the trips. Let's invest and let's invest big. Let's give the blasted money away. All of our bills are paid. We don't own anything of these buildings. They're all paid for. We, We should be And very frankly, ladies and gentlemen, this will really get me in trouble too. I think those of you who divert monies to your own little special projects are making a big mistake. Because we can do better if we we pool our resources. Under the leadership of Jonathan Todd and the Grace Venture Strategy, which I don't even go to. But we can make a bigger dent. We can get bigger bangs for our buck. If you will stop dribbling monies away... Onto who knows what. Guys, I don't need any more money. I got plenty of money. And I'm, I'm close to dead. <laughs> I don't need any more money. I am, I'm, not, I'm not trying to feather my nest. My nest is just about rotted. <laughs> I'm here to say to you that according to that book, when Paul says, James says, remember the poor, which is the very thing that I wanted to do, do you want to do it? Huh? Is that the very thing that you wanted to do? Should be. It should be. It should be a part and parcel of what we are as a church. We give money so that we can give it away. That, ladies and gentlemen, I think is contained in Galatians chapter two, verse 10. The the apostle Paul made his mistakes and because of the gospel, there was a transformed heart in that man. And when James said something about the poor, he said, you darn tootin' I want to be involved in ministry to the poor, the very thing that I intended to do. Okay, then let's get in line with Paul and James. What do you say? Let us us, the very thing we intend to do, pour out resources very measured very wisely done and and vetted that's why that committee is such genius because they can make better decisions than you can on your own so they vet the things and so we we make a bang we make a dent on the needs of the poor ladies and gentlemen you will always have the poor with you because we live in a fallen world And we've got resources, and we need to give some of them away, lots of them away. And as long as I'm here, I'm going to be praying for another million next year, and then a million two after that, and a million five after that, and two million the next year. That's what we ought to be doing, ladies and gentlemen, because we can get the gospel preached to the poor and alleviate some of their suffering. What do you say? Let's go do that. Our Father, I, I do pray that you will uh, awaken your people to, to an emphasis that is contained all throughout the Bible that um, that you, you, you make your blessings contingent upon those of us who consider the poor. We want to consider the poor, Father. We want to do better. We bless you that we gave $890,000 away, but we want to give more away next year. N- not because we're um, competing with The church down the street, we're not. We don't know what they gave away. But we have resources, and we can give them away. And we can do that as wisely as possibly can be done. So aid us in that. But would you stir the hearts and imaginations of your people to see that you have stated very clearly, blessed is the man. Blessed is that man, that woman, that family that considers the poor the very thing that we desire to do. And we pray, of course, in Jesus' name. Amen. Thank you and good night.